Welcome to The Working Therapist with Hayden Bolick, a podcast designed to help you grow more, do more, and be more as a therapist. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. We're glad you've joined us for today's podcast. So here's your host, Hayden Bolick. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Working Therapist. I'm Hayden Bullock, your host. And today we're going to talk about toys, therapy toys, but not so much about toys as about what you get from the toy. So I've invited Kirsty Miles to join in with me today. And we're going to actually talk about what therapists see when they look at toys. And Kirsty is actually the one who really phrased it like that. But we're going to go through a list of some toys. We're going to talk about therapy interventions, what you can do, different ideas, how you use them, carryover, and just give you some ideas and some interventions to put in your toolbox. So let's start with Kirsty. Kirsty, why don't you introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit about yourself first? Sure. Kirsty Miles, I'm a physical therapist, team lead with PDT over in Southern Pines primarily, but I don't think I spend much time in Southern Pines anymore. <laughs> your territory um, has grown. <laughs> it has. I spend time in Rayford, Fayetteville. So I'm traveling all over. Rocky yes. Ham, Hamlet. A um, little bit of everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it gives me the opportunity to see the company as a whole, which is fun. And how we use different toys in different places, just a wider range. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that Kirsty and I talk about with our staff and parents and therapists all the time is it's not the toy. We're not about the toys, but it's what we get from the toy. And so I'm going to sort of take a little bit of a path here. But one of the things that Kirsty and I work with all the time is helping people understand to be present in the moment in a therapy session or in a vow and really focusing on what that child and family needs at that particular minute. And so that means sort of putting yourself second and putting that child and family first and really thinking, this is what this child needs. How am I really going to do that? And I can come in with a plan and usually I do have some sort of a plan, but more often than not, that plan you know has to be changed because in the moment... I may decide that something else needs to happen to best help that child that day. And to do that, of course, we use toys because therapy has to be fun and kids play with toys. That's their occupation is play. So then you have to figure out how you're going to get what you need with these various tools. But mostly important is first being present in the session and making sure you're doing what you got to do for that child. Would you add to that, Kirstie, Annie? What would you add? Yeah, and I think another big thing is to create that internal motivation from the child that they're leading. They're leading the therapy session, and it comes into play that it's our job as a therapist to be creative to how are we going to achieve our goals or what we're trying to get out of the therapy in order to meet their goals within that session based on the toy that the child chooses. Mm-hmm. because we want it to be fun for them and for them to be engaged and for them to really lead the therapy and initiate. And then we're coming in to modify the therapy based on what they pick and choose to play with. Yeah. Kirsten and I were talking yesterday, getting ready for this podcast, talking among other things. But you know, we've said before that if you find yourself in a therapy session and it's a battle of wills between you and the child, like abort, like stop. <laughs> At that point, you used to really think, so what exactly am I doing with my life? I'm fighting with a three-year-old over whether or not we're going to put a peg in a peg thing. Like, really? 
That's not what this is about. We're not there to like discipline. That's no. not that's not what we're doing in therapy. We're not there to be the firm hand. None of that. No. That is not our lane. That is not what we're there to do. It should be fun. They should want to come back. And that's where we have to be really creative. Yeah. Therapy has to be fun. And you have to really meet that child where they are to best help them at that particular moment in that day because you never know with that session what you're going to be able to accomplish to springboard into accomplishing more things. And so the toys help us get there because we want to make it fun. And that's also just like I said before, the occupation of a child is play. That's what little kids do. So it's got to be functional. And so that's part of it also. Okay, so let's start off with a oldie but a goodie and sort of a basic here thing. Let's just start with bubbles. We use bubbles all the time. <laughs> Kirsten and myself are both huge bubble snobs. We have a t-shirt now <laughs> about bubbles. We do. It's Kiersey's idea on the back of it. What is the back of it? I don't have my t-shirt on today. There's no angry way to say bubbles. And there really isn't because I've tried. You can't. Mm-mm. You can't <laughs> try it, people who are listening. Try to say bubbles and be angry. You just flat out can't do it. And I am not good with Bobo bubbles. That's what I call like the off-brand, the soapy. I cannot handle a bad yucky bubble. It doesn't work for me. So we are bubble snobs. And I'm very particular what bubbles we get here at this company. <laughs> so we've just found a new brand of bubbles that we like called Bubble World. We just found them and we just got them and we have them in all different sizes and types and all that kind of stuff. So those are the bubbles we like. They're called Bubble World. And you can look at our website to see them, but that's where they go. But go ahead, Kirsty, about bubbles. So with bubbles, the thing that is great about them is we're picky about our bubbles and we like a certain kind. And for me, as a PT, I need one that I can blow the bubble, catch it on the wand, and I need it to stay long enough to, if I'm having a child reach, reach across midline, stand on one foot, pop it with their toe, perform a long arc quad, whatever exercise they're doing, I need that bubble to last on the wand long enough for the child to respond. So that's what I look for in a bubble, and that's what makes me picky about bubbles. But also for families, you know, that may not have the income, you can also get bubbles from the dollar store. And so it makes it a very versatile toy. And also it's a cheap toy that anybody can have access to. Totally. And you can make bubbles out of soap detergent. So you can just take bubbles and dilute it with water, like your regular detergent that you use in the sink to wash your dishes with. You can do the same thing. You just put that stuff in a little cup and just dilute it with a little bit of water and it'll still blow. I've even blown bubbles with, you know, the egg thing you use to dye eggs with, that metal thing that you use to dye eggs with. I've blown Mm -hmm. bubbles with that thing before. It's not is good. I'm just saying, but in desperate times call for desperate measures and I've used it before. So for me with bubbles, there's two different things I like. So for the speech thing, if I'm treating with PT, I usually start every session where like, okay, so what are you working on? So if they're working on like getting the child going up and down the stairs or like kneel to stand or something like that, then I'll always blow the bubble and hold it really far up. So then the child has to raise up to pop it, but then we'll always pause. And I'll usually always set up bubbles the same way. I always go one, two, three, and I blow the bubbles. And I do one, two, three, and I blow the bubbles again. And then I do one, two, three, and I pause to see if I can get them to request to initiate. And so usually I just mix that in with the physical therapist with what they're wanting them to do. So if I know in advance, look, they're wanting the child to go from kneel to stand 
that's what I'm thinking of right now, then I'll just pair it so the physical therapist is still getting the number of reps that they want and I still get the number of requests that I want because I have a goal that I'm going to want a child to request a certain amount of times in a certain number of minutes. And that's just a good co-treatment. Yeah. And really at that point, you're just talking. And usually I start off like, what are you working on? And they'll tell me, say, well, this is what I want to get. So what are you working on and what do you want to get? This is what I want to get. And so I'm like, okay, can we start with bubbles and then we modify it based on what each person wants. But I'm all always cognizant of this is what this other therapist is wanting this is what I'm wanting and I want a certain number of requests because again it's not about the bubbles I just want the child to be interested to ask for more or to sign more or whatever it is and PT we just need reps and who doesn't love a bubble I mean a child will do anything for a bubble and more definitely you know I've held them high low around whatever whatever as long as like you said as long as that bubble stay on that bubble wand for like at least a few seconds you're good exactly you're golden and it's the easy thing to carry over to the home too yep just yep. turn the ceiling fans off if you're working right under them. That's a good thought. Yes, they do pop it, don't they? But then yep. you can also pop them with your feet. So you can do body parts, pop them with your hands. You know, you can try to jump and pop them, all kinds of stuff. Yep. Pop your hands up over your head. You can always do your turn, my turn to blow, like oral motor. So then another toy we use all the time are sticker books. Melissa and Doug have a variety of sticker books. They have reusable sticker books, and then they also have one-time use stickers where they stick and don't come off. So we use both kinds. My preference is the kind the like stickers like they stick and they don't come off but I love the fact that Melissa Doug have princess stickers and so you can make like a face with a princess you can make a face with like a glamour girl that's what I call her I don't think they call her that on the sticker book but I call it a glamour girl because she's got like nails and earrings and necklaces but you can also do the princess the glamour girl what I call her you can also do like the animal face too so you can do like a frog or a dog or a cow or a pig they have a bunch of different make a face sticker books and so for PT talk a little bit what you're wanting with stickers you can do a number of things with stickers. So sometimes you might be looking at like core strength and shoulder stability. So you might be having them do some reaching activities at a mirror and put them on a piece of paper that's on a mirror or on the wall. I might have them stand on a wedge to get a heel cord stretch and be making a picture with markers and stickers or they could be passing back and forth across a balance beam and collecting stickers to put on their mm -hmm. paper. You can do PNF patterns. So they're sitting on a bench and and you put the sticker on the bottom of their shoe where they have to lift up their foot and look under their shoe and pull the sticker off. And that's a really good PNF pattern. So there's a number of things that we can do with stickers. And again, it's all about the repetition because if we're building strength or increasing range of motion, we need to either do a sustained hold or a number of reps. So it's a good way to perform the activity while they're engaged and interested in it and they're making a picture so there's a purpose to what we're doing. Otherwise, a child's not going to see the purpose of just standing there. I mean, kids don't stand still. So how am I going to get them to stand still with a stretch unless they're doing some sort of activity that they're enjoying it? Exactly. For me, with the stickers, I use it with all ages. But normally, the child has to at least have an attention span long enough, at least for a couple of minutes. And they also have to be able to understand how to request. So I don't usually use stickers until they understand, hey, I got to do something to get something. And their attention span is at least a couple of minutes long. So with bubbles, I'll always start with bubbles when the attention span is really, really, really short. And I'm teaching them how to request you know, just to do something to get something. So I'm working on that with like an initial like gesture or a sign or a single word. That's when I'm working with bubbles and to work on getting their attention span to be a little bit longer. But for the sticker books, then I usually start with those once they understand how to request and ask for something. So for the stickers, 
there's a lot of different things I can do with those. We can work on body parts, but honestly, I don't really work on body parts that much if you want to know the truth. I know that's like taboo to say, and a speech therapist probably shouldn't say it, but you know what? You work on washing your hands and you're tying your shoes, so you're talking about your feet, and you're putting your socks on and your shoes on, and you're brushing your hair. So you know what? You get body parts. So I'm not going to do body parts and speech therapy because there's lots of other things I need to target. So for sticker books with the make a face, I am getting to request to ask for more, but using a phrase like I want you know, fingers, or I want eye, or I want mouth, or that kind of thing. So I usually use a sticker book to target sort of building phrases. So I have a carrier phrase, which is a I want, and then I replace whatever they want with the various stickers. So they've got the model of the sticker. And so what I'm trying to get them to start off with is they're imitating the I want, and then whatever sticker they want. And in that session, I'm trying to get them to move to, they independently say I want, and I just have to cue them for them to name the sticker they want to put on the place, whatever it is. So if I'm doing that with physical therapy, then I can easily have a carrier phrase in one place, like a picture of an I want. And then if the physical therapist wants them to walk along a balance beam to get the sticker, then we can name it over there and bring it back and then do the carrier phrase, or we can have them go upstairs and get it, or we can have the carrier phrase and the sticker way up high so they have to reach way up or bring the sticker down low or whatever. I can move my body as long as I get that out of the session. And again, that's good teamwork. Co-treat. Co-treat. Good <laughs> so, you know, sticker books and bubbles are both very speechy. Most speech therapists carry things like that in their bag everywhere they go. But one of the things that Kirsten and I've talked about a lot is, you know, we talk to therapists all the time about collaboration and working together and communicating with all the people that's necessary to really be a part of that child's continuum of care. And so I'm just talking about speech therapists for just right this minute. Sometimes speech therapists have to get out of their comfort zone, which is an individual speech room and table and start moving around with that child. You know, I'll hear oftentimes, gosh, they talk so much when they're in PT. Well, there's nothing saying I can't have them run through an obstacle course too. And so I think the next toy we're going to talk about are these poppers by Hogwild that I love. And Kirstie, I think you like them too. But one of the nice things about these is it really gets the child up and moving. And sometimes for speech therapists, it's sort of a nice gateway for us to, you know, learn how to get a child up and moving. You know, for you, Kirsty, that's what you do. Yeah. So for you, again, the popper things has parts. I know you've talked about that. But then what are some other ideas you do? And describe these popper thingies to people if they don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> so the poppers, they're different animals and kind of their mouth opens up and... <laughs> it sounds right? awful. It's their mouth. <laughs> yeah, it is their mouth. It is their mouth. But the ball goes in there and then you squeeze their belly. And so grip strength right there for OTs. Mm-hmm. Squeeze their belly and the ball pops out and you can shoot it, you know, near, far. You can aim it at a target. You can have them working on divided attention, standing on some balance disc, wobble board to aim at a target, squat to retrieve and pick up the ball. There are so many different ways that you can use that in PT. And again, for PT, we just need something with parts. Mm-hmm. And if that child's going to be engaged with that toy and we can get some repetitions out of it, even if we have to change toys back and forth. But then, you know, if we're working on engagement, you can take the ball, hide it behind your back and they have to request more more to get that. So now you're tying into what speech is doing and again, just getting the repetitions. So we've had Nikki, one of our PTs, she was working with a child prone over a peanut and propping up on their forearms and then aiming and holding again to get some lumbar spine extension. So, you know, you can use that popper in a variety of different ways. And at the end of the day, if the child picks that toy, we'll figure out how you can use that toy to get the 
exercise that you need done. Yes. And so for speech, one of the nice things they do is they kind of set you up for a natural situation where you have to request or you have to talk because kids are really motivated by these things. Because what's not fun about squeezing the stomach of some like plastic animal and the paw go shooting out across the room? I mean, that's just a good time. I'm sorry, but it really is. And you like can shoot your friend and it doesn't hurt. And so that's fun. And it makes a funny noise. It does. It's awesome. These are great. So after you squeeze the stomach and the ball comes popping out, then if the therapist is fast and they should be fast, they can grab the ball real quick where you have to ask to get the ball back. So it sets you up for natural requesting to ask for the ball. So you can get them to ask their friend, can I have the ball? So they're getting to use a question. Also just a request, you know, I want the ball. I've used that with pictures and just getting them to use a single word for ball or a phrase or a sentence, use a question. You also can put it under the bench or on the bench or beside the bench. So you can have them like sort of hide and seek really quickly. And if you're co-treating with PT, then how they go and get the ball under beside on that can be what the PT's working on. You know what I'm saying? So you can crawl to it or whatever, hop or whatever you want them to do. Even more basic than that too, when you work with really little ones, so taking it way back to more basics than that is object permanence. So mm. if you have that ball and you put it up their pant leg, do they know <laughs> that it's still there and to pull it out and then you can pop it and hit the target? Like you do it physically. They crawl over to get it off the target. They hand it back to you. You hide it up under their shirt, do they know it's still there? Yeah, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Then you could play peekaboo with your speech and then, oh, I found it. Uh Uh-oh, because you can pair it with a phrase if it goes under their shirt. Uh Uh-oh. And another thing we've talked about on other podcasts is, you know, kind of reducing your amount of auditory bombardment and also being really consistent in your presentation of toys and the way you are, you know, targeting different things. The therapist being pretty consistent for the speech therapist. So every time they hide it under the shirt, you can do, uh oh, the same type of intonation, the same phrase, the same word. You know, the child who's already sort of having difficulty with processing of language and using words, you don't want to give them too many words because then they're just hearing like Charlie Brown talk, like wah, wah, wah. So and then a lot of times when you co-treat with PT or when you watch occupational and physical therapists work, you know, they have really good ideas about, you know, like you said, having to fall under the shirt or whatever and that object permanence. And then speech just sort of lends itself to piggybacking on that and starting to use in like the same kind of phrase and teach the mom that for them to use and play at home because it's just playing with your baby. But I love those poppers. Also, another thing you can do is take a magnet or one of the stickers that we talked about earlier, even the reusable stickers by Melissa and Doug and putting them on the window or the reusable stickers work great by putting them on the window or taking stickers and putting them on a mirror or magnets and put them on a metal cabinet and then you can shoot the popper at the target. And then you can target nouns and verbs and descriptives and, you know, hit the big fish versus versus the little fish or whatever. And if you're working with a physical therapist, you know, if they're having them lay over the ball like Nikki was doing, then they don't care what they're shooting the ball at. And speech, you can direct all that. So that works nice as a co-treat as well. And you're doing all kinds of cool functional stuff. You can all carry that over easily to the home. Because if you don't have a peanut ball and you're in the house, you can always do it over top of couch cushions or something. Or Roll up a towel. Yes. I mean, the poppers are great. If you don't know about those, they're made by Hogwild and they are just all kinds of fun. We just got the unicorns in and I'm way excited. <laughs> so another toy we're going to talk about is the design and drill. And it is actually made by Educational Insights. And we love the design and drill. It is, in the words of my teenage son, thebomb.com. It is the greatest toy. I think it like, magically can have a child who has no attention span have a 30 minute attention span it's awesome the design and drill is the best so um 
If you don't know what it is, you can look on our website and see it because we love it. But Kirsty, for you and PT, what do you do with this? Again, for PT, it's a toy with parts. So I can get repetition. The kids love that because it's motorized. So it looks like a tool. It's a little drill and you have the little bolts and they go in the pegboard and you drill them in. I would use it for if I needed any sort of sustained postural activity. I can mm-hmm. get reaching across midline. I can get posture exercises. I can get a heel cord stretch if I have them hanging out in a deep squat for play. I could have them holding tall kneel at a bench, depending on how I'm positioning them. I could have them standing on a wedge and getting a heel cord stretch while they're maintaining the position for play, squat to retrieve and return to stand, Mm. having them do a single leg balance. So I hold the little bolt up. I have them single leg stance, touch it with your toe. Okay, now you get to put it in and drill. Okay, again, let's do it again. So again, it's just that repetition. If I wanted them to jump over something, I could have them jump over, go get their bolt, bring it back, screw it in, get another one, jump over, bring it back. So for me, it's all about the pieces. If I have a toy with multiple parts, I'm good. Yep. For speech, to me, the design and drill fits in the category of cause and effect toys. So if you listen to the podcast where I talked about cause and effect toys, the design and drill is the perfect combinational cause and effect type of toy. It is awesome. So you can use it to just request for even like the hand over hand where the child's using a gesture me to request for the drill or the request for the bolt. You know, I'm always surprised, Kiersey, at how many kids can't hold that drill and squeeze the trigger. They have a hard time with it. So it's a great thing. And then also for them to really do the activity. So they're really motivated to do it, but you have to like squeeze the trigger at the same time. And they realize it's pretty interesting. They kind of don't realize sometimes they're actually doing that until they're doing it. They're like, oh my gosh, this is all me. But um, so I use it a lot to get a child to request. Also when they're at that single word level, I have them imitate me to go or to more or my turn or whatever. But then I also try to quickly move to getting them independently to say it. So I'll use picture cues and have them like more bolt or more drill or go drill or in bolt or any word can be a carrier phrase and then the words that change or the bolt and drill. But with PT, this is a great toy for co-treat because you can request and like you were saying, there's tons of motor activities you can do and speech can just fold in so easily and the child gets moving and they're moving their body. It's just very functional speech therapy. It just in real time and there's really no setup of an activity that's not for real in real time. It's very real and there's tons of opportunities to request and protest and ask a question or just use a phrase using this toy. And you can do colors too, by the way, but that's just like a byproduct, which is awesome. It's a good toy. It's also a great social toy to use with another child and a friend because one child has the bolts and another child has the drill and then they have to switch. So they have to ask or request and then they have to switch back and switch back. And it's your turn. It's my turn. So pronouns. It's awesome. If you don't have one, everybody needs one of these bad boys. <laughs> everybody, everybody. Okay. So let's talk about discs, like little plastic discs, because those are so versatile. And we they talk are. about plastic discs. Explain that, Kirsty, because there's a lot of different discs you can buy to put on the floor or wherever. Yeah, they're pretty flimsy rubber discs, probably about six to eight inches in diameter. So they're not Um, plastic, they're rubber. Yeah, like Uh silicone, Mm -hmm. whatever. But they come in all different colors. So you have a variety of colors in a pack. So, I mean, you can use those from anything to, I'm going into a classroom for circle time, and Mm -hmm. that can be the, you stand on this, or this is your spot and you're doing like a group activity, all the way to, I've worked with speech, working with a child with apraxia, and they're 
are working on different syllables. And so I might be working on jumping and hopping on one foot or I have a child with hemiplegia and I'm working on strengthening of one side of the body that I'm having them hop on one foot from disc to disc. And while they're hopping, divided attention task with speech, they're sounding out the syllables. So every time they hop, they sound out a syllable like Mississippi. I've even done it before when I'll take the disc of the same color, like for a child with apraxia, and I'm moving them from a consonant vowel like ba-ba, where it's the same consonant, same vowel repeated, to ba-da, where they're changing vowel and consonant. So I'll have like two red discs, and I'll have them take their foot, and they'll tap it on the red for ba-ba, because it's the same. And then when they switch to ba-da, then they take one foot, and they tap it and then when they do the different one, they put their foot on the green disc, duh. So like one foot, buh, and the next foot, duh, buh, duh, buh, duh. They're kind of like going back and forth with their feet, like rocking back and forth. So I've even used the disc for that with children with apraxia because it makes it real tangible. They have to move their body, move their mouth. It just kind of makes sense to me. But those discs are awesome for just that. Plus also, I've used it like an instant musical chairs game. So just I have a bunch of discs on the floor and music on your phone Mm -hmm. and just all you got to do is remove a disc. So that's like simple, easy. You can do that anywhere, you know, yeah. or duck, duck, goose, because then they can go back to their space or red light, green light. So they know where to start just because I think even like red light, green light with some of their friends, I'll do that a lot with little kids, but they have to have a starting point. They have to know where their body is. And so a lot of times I'll be like, okay, so what are the rules? Here's where we start for social pragmatics for them to understand. Okay. Hey, look, so this is what my body's supposed to be doing right now. I start here and then I run up there and you can even use disc for the red light green light to hold them up for go stop go stop and you know at some of our contract sites we're working in a very small space and when you've got four or five therapists working in there with four or five different kids I'm like can we all just get on the same page and play the same game (laughs) (laughs) like everybody right now get the disc play musical chairs right now because there is way too much going on and you want to talk about sensory overload Everybody do the same thing right now. (laughs) Yes. If you as a therapist are on sensory overload, probably I would just bet that the kid is as well. But you're right. The discs allow for an immediate collaborative group therapy thing. Yeah. And then they're interacting together. Whereas (laughs) you've got this person doing poppers over here and they're doing trains (laughs) over here and the ball's going over there. But the train went that way. And I'm like, what is happening in here? (laughs) And like you pull in a scooter board and it's just like total complete chaos. Like, what are we doing with our lives every day? Like, really? What's happening? (laughs) (laughs) This is crazy. And yeah, and that's real. Okay, so I think any kind of rubber silicone, I thought they were plastic. I don't know. Discs are good and appropriate and fun and like tons of good ideas. And so at the home, if you don't have discs or if your family or teachers want to do this in the classroom, but they don't have these little rubber discs, then construction paper does work. You have to be careful. You're not going to slip on it. But that's always a good time too. You can also use chalk outside on the driveway. Same thing, different colors. You can arrange them in different ways. You'll just have to wait for the rain to come and wash it away to start over. There you go. All right. So now we're going to talk about fishing games. I think we have the best fishing game of all time here at PDT. I love a fishing pole game situation. You can make them out of like paper clips and string, which is good also. But we have a great fishing game that we use here. And the fish are like these larger kind of leather fish almost, right? Like pleather, leather. If you squeeze them together, their mouth opens. They're awesome. And they have magnets, like some good strong magnets around them. It's the best fishing game ever. And I think I can say that with a certain amount of authority because I've tried a lot of fishing games in my time. And so I think this is the best. And I feel pretty qualified in that assessment. And it's also got like a big pond because it also is the carrying case, but yet it folds out into the pond. So it's like a wrap up and go 
pack up all in one, but then also you have the pond so the fish don't go traveling all over creation and the fishing pole. Now the fishing pole can be a weapon, but this is only used under close supervision with a therapist. And when I say like yes. a weapon is it could, you know, hit somebody on the head. So you want to be real careful with that. But anyway, the fishing pole is good. But the fishing game for a speech therapist, I mean, that's just like throw me in the briar patch all day long. There's all kinds of mess I can do with that. But how does a physical therapist use a fishing game? I've used it before for stretching heel cords where I have them stand on a balance beam sideways and drop their heels off the back. That's so a good idea. That's their little fishing dock and they have to stay in their dock or their boat. And so then, you know, we put the fish out. And again, I'm just looking for repetition and sustained activity. Or, you know, we have the fishing pond, which the child really just wants to fish. But I want them to cross the obstacles and get them back into the bucket and take it back and forth through the obstacle course. So that's my purpose and what I need them to do. But they just want to fish. So Mm -hmm. if they're goal is to get the fish, then they're going to be more interested in what I need them to go through to get there. So sometimes with speech, and this is awesome when you're co-treating with a physical therapist or occupational therapist, but sometimes for speech with some of our little people that are older, and this game really is like a three plus type of child, wouldn't you say, Kirsty? Yeah. So sometimes for those kids, you know, we're moving them from a combinational functional play to a symbolic play. And that can be pretty hard for a lot of our little kids because you're moving from a very concrete kind of play scenario to more of an abstract play scenario. And so that's also where a lot of that abstract language comes in. You know, why, hypothetical questions, you know, inferring information, understanding same and difference. Well, that can be pretty concrete too. But if you don't have it right there in front of you to look at, it can be abstract. So a lot of that symbolic play comes in here. So you can also, if you're co-treating with OT or PT, then you as a speech therapist can be like, okay, so today, you know, we're going to be pirates. And so we're going to go fishing. I know pirates don't fish, but whatever fishing with pirates and so and so we're gonna go and we've got to climb up the mountain of gold and then we've got to slide down the something or you know we got to crab walk like crabs to get through the ocean to get to the beach so we can fish I don't know I'm just making this up as I go but you know what I'm saying both you and I Kirstie have made all kinds of different place scenarios you want to get the fish you don't want to catch the alligator and PTs can do all kinds of like motor stuff and help direct the child motor wise and speech can help create this whole abstract play scenario and it works awesome. You have little ones too at home. Not mm-hmm. so little anymore, but you still have some little ones at home. Mm-hmm. But like they take the pillows off the couch and throw them all over the floor and they're like, the alligators can't get you. So yeah. now you're adding in like balance and don't fall in the pond. And so exactly. we have those like stepping stones in the clinic too. So you can combine a bunch of toys and get more out of your little game. Yeah. And then for the fishing thing, you can always put different cards in it. And so, you know, today, actually, I was working with a group of two and we were working on understanding like what's socially appropriate and what's not. And so pulling somebody's hair. And so we have pictures of things that were bad choices and good choices and when to do what. And, you know, what should you say if somebody's pulling your hair? What do you do? You know, that kind of thing. But you could easily take all those kind of pictures and you could put those in the fish's mouth and fish for those type of pictures. So you don't have to just fish for fish. I mean, the fish is carrying the whatever you want to get from it for speech. You know what I'm saying? So the reason I'm saying that is because, you know, modifying the various games is kind of what we do to make it work for that child at that moment at that time. So I never follow the rules. And I don't know that you ever do either, Kirsty. No. So if you had to take a bunch of picture cards right now, so I'm thinking, okay, I've got to get my child to speech therapy. And <laughs> if I know that my child's going to have to go in and sit at a table mm. and you're going to show them cards over and over again, and they're going to be like, yeah, that's a good choice. No, that's a bad choice. Yeah, that's a good choice. That sounds awful. Terrible. 
<laughs> in fact, I'm like, who could get to the door faster, me or the kid? Like, I don't right. know. Like, please don't make me do that. That's like, terrible. I don't want to sign up to bring my child for that. No. I'm like, there's no way that I'm going to get them in the car. And how is that even functional? Because, I mean, like today we were doing like, the picture of the little girl pulling the hair, but that has to be related back to real life. You know, I mean, so yeah, there's a picture and they can identify, oh, that's a bad choice in a picture. And it was appropriate to start there so that we had at least a point of context, mm-hmm. like good choice, bad choice, because that's all we were identifying. I mean, but then you have to bring it back out into real life. And so right. physical therapists, I mean, that's what they do. They get people to move. So if you're a speech therapist out there working to get a lot of these concepts into a functional place, find a pediatric physical or occupational therapist as fast as possible and pair up with them because they already know how to make the child move. And then all you got to do is piggyback on with that, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can pretend like you know what you're doing, but really you're just watching them get the child <laughs> to move. And then you can show them a thing or two with the other ideas and concepts and all that because in my experience they've never said no I don't want to talk about choices today and really kids don't want to be stationary they are made to move they are made to explore and engage in their environment and sometimes we have to help them to do that and kind of show them the ropes with that or maybe adapt how they move but they want to move they do want to move and that does set them up for normal language various scenarios so you know even if you're the physical therapist and working with a child then as you're having them help them move and stuff, even that scenario we we're talking about where you're making good choices or bad choice, you know, if, if a child takes a ball and pelts it at some other kid's head and you're the PT and you're working on throwing the ball, you know, you got to know what to do in that situation. Like, oh no, how does that make your friend feel? It makes them feel mm-hmm. sad. And that's normally the speech therapist role, but PT can do that sure, and should do that. Yeah. I think that that's a topic for a whole nother day of, you know, <laughs> like we don't tell children no. I mean, there's a time and a place when it's a safety issue to tell them no, but I think in that instance, if you just say, no, we don't do that. Well, that's not really taking the time to teach the child what they're supposed to do. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And so getting back to our fishing game, like I said, you can do a fishing game with a piece of string and a paper clip. There's nothing to a fishing game but that, really. I mean, we have this fancy schmancy one that we really like in our clinic, but going into the home, if there was not that, a piece of yarn and a paper clip or a piece of yarn and anything that connects anything works as a fishing Wooden game. spoon in the drawer oh, in the kitchen? Yeah, anything. So, and usually you can find yarn or string and then you can connect anything to it. And kids love a fishing game. You can hide the choices behind a pillow on the sofa and then they can take the string and hit it over the pillow and then, oh my gosh, you got a dog or whatever it is they fished for. <laughs> I don't know what they're fishing for, but that's a good time. And then last, Kirstie, as we're talking about, you know, one of the things that I think is best in a therapy session and this doesn't involve any toy or anything is just helping the child help you clean up you know like helping wipe down the mat or I mean it's not like child labor or anything but helping them put the swing back where it's supposed to go or putting the toys back in the cabinet or cleaning the pillows and put them back on the sofa there's a lot of language for me in that I mean I have never met a parent in all therapy that has said you know what no I really don't want you to teach my child how to clean up their stuff (laughs) me neither (laughs) not a goal of mine I have never heard anybody say that (laughs) and there's so many good therapeutic movements just in that activity and it also puts the child kind of in a very accountable place because they have to put the pillows back up on the sofa. Well, it's a little pillow. They have to pick up something heavy. And for a kid, the pillow on the sofa could be heavy and put it back on the sofa. And they got a problem solve on how they can get it back up there. Oh, no, it fell over. And so there's lots of language in that. Like, oh, no. 
you know, kind of thing. Lots of word use you can do. Open Mm -hmm. the container, close the container, Mm -hmm. put it in. Yeah. And push and it goes up and down and all that kind of stuff. Yep. Help me if they can't get it up high enough. Mm. Oh, they've got to stand up on their tippy toes to put them in the box. Now I'm getting PT stuff in there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I definitely use cleanup as a part of therapy because if we spread toys all over the place, you better believe there's repetition to pick all this up. And, you know, you got to tell each one of them bye-bye or name them as they go back in the box or something, anything. So all of those. So we talked about several different toys that we use in therapy, kind of our favorites and our go-tos. And there was a number of different things that you can do with those toys. But again, it's not really about the toy. It's about what we as therapists bring to the table and the creativity that we bring with using those toys. Because at the end of the day, we hope that the children that we serve lead the therapy session. We follow their lead in what they choose to play with that day. But we have to be able to shift gears and think on our feet of how are we going to meet our goals with the choice that they choose to play with in therapy. Yep. It's all about them in real time and getting what we can best to help serve them. You said it best. So that closes us up. All right. So um, you can check out any of these toys here on our website at pediatricdt.com. You can also check out other podcasts that we've done, talk about other toys and other therapy interventions, all kinds of different topics. Kirsty has been on a ton of them. Thank you, Kirsty, for being here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thanks. It's always good. Whenever Kirsty's around, it's always good. Pair yourself up with smarter people than you. It's always positive, which is what I've done. So thank you again, Kirsty. And you, like I said, you can listen to other podcasts on theworkingtherapist.com. So I appreciate everybody for listening. Thank you for your time today. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of The Working Therapist. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. If you would like more information regarding this podcast or would like to get in touch with us for any reason, visit us on the web at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com. 